welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana. Cana is a town that means the reed. It's a picture of man's frailty. And on the third day, there's this amazing wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And Mary was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. They have no wine. Hopeless. It's not meant to happen in a wedding to run out of wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says, to you do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus is about to make 800 liters of the best alcohol you've ever seen. And Jesus said to them, "Fill the water pots with water." That got some of you happy. And we're not talking about, you know, that yellow Glen or yellow label thing. We're talking about the real Don Perion, you know, the good stuff. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and he didn't know where it came from, although the servants who drew the, had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. Say with me, good wine. And when the guests have well drunk or are intoxicated, he then brings out the inferior. Say inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. And this was the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And here is the first shift, if you're taking notes. Until now, I have lived on the inferior wine. But now, I just drink the good. Until now, I've lived on the inferior wine, but now I live on the good. I thought a lot about this story this week. I've got a lot of questions that I was asking. And here's the first logical question to ask when we read this story. Why would Jesus give the best wine to a bunch of drunks? <laughs> I imagine the waiter coming out with his, you know, they wear that white napkin over their arm and... He's got a bottle of the best champagne. And, and, and the crowd at the wedding, they're all drunk. And, and he's, he's bringing out this beautiful bottle that he's showcasing. He wants, shows them the label. They're all rolling around the ground drunk. And, and he pours a bottle of wine. Uh, sorry, he pours the wine into the cup. But they're not interested in that. They grab the bottle and they begin to guzzle and it's pouring down their top. You know, and, and the truth is that they could drink this wine and think it's just a cheap bottle of Chardonnay. And I asked myself, why would Jesus give the best wine to drunks? 
Surely when people are drunk, that's the time to give them the cheap stuff. I don't know if you've ever been drunk. But when you're drunk, you don't know what you're drinking. Anything's good. So why would Jesus give drunks the best wine? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, because drunks are people who have lost their hope in time. It's going to make sense in a minute. And new wine is given to redeem the time. Those that are drunk are those that have lost their value of time. You get drunk because, well, for many reasons, but many people stay drunk because of things that have taken place in their life or a lack of hope for their future. And Jesus walked into a place where it represented the frailty of man and the wine's run out, there's no hope. And and it's a picture of you and I that there are times in our life when we look at our past, we look at our future and there's little hope. And it's to that that Jesus comes with the new wine. And he brings the best wine because these people have lost their hope. And new wine is given to redeem the times. Doesn't the Bible say in Ephesians 5.13, All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says... So what Paul is saying is God is coming to shine his revelation light on the areas of your life of disappointment and hopelessness. And he says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, for God is coming to give you light. See that you walk carefully, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. And do not be drunk with wine, which leads to excess, but be filled with the Spirit. New wine comes to redeem the time. See, what the enemy's trying to do right now, he's trying to lull people into a spirit of hopelessness. And he says here, don't walk, don't walk carelessly, but walk with wisdom. Understand God's purpose for your life. God wants to shine his light on every area of disappointment in your world. Every area where you look back and you've seen hopelessness or where you look into the future and there's not glistening hope. And it's to those that Jesus came with new wine. Are you getting this now? Why would Jesus bring the best wine to drunks? Because he wants to redeem the time in your life in the very places of the greatest disappointments. The new wine was about redeeming times. Holy Spirit comes to redeem, to buy back that which has been stolen from you. Wine blurs. It blurs our perspective. It blurs our language. It blurs our values, our balance. And these people were intoxicated. And you meet people who are intoxicated by hopelessness. It comes out in their language. There's hopelessness in their voice, in the sound of their voice. They stagger. See, the Bible says of Abraham, 
He, he became so assured and so full of hope that he staggered not at the promises of God. But drunks stagger, don't they? They're staggering. They're staggering at their future. God offers them a future and they begin to stagger. They, they can't see. Their, their, their language is slurred, full of hopelessness. And it's to those people that the Redeemer comes, offering his wine of hope for their future and hope for their past. You know, the Bible tells us that God is the Redeemer God. And he wants to redeem and buy back every experience in your life that was an opportunity to encounter him. Listen carefully. There have been times in your life previously where things happened that you didn't understand, bad things, that we would say bad things or calamities, and they were an opportunity to encounter God, and we missed that moment. I want you to know today that Jesus is here and he's going to redeem and buy back those missed opportunities. He's going to not just buy back the opportunities, but he's going to buy back the hope that we lost in those moments. See, there are times when I saw things happen that I, 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 and I didn't understand, but I didn't perceive God in that moment. And because of that, I, I forfeited the hope that could have been mine. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is he comes as our redeemer. He buys back that which was lost. And that's why Jesus came to this wedding feast. Because these people had lost their hope. That the, the wine was run out. There was no hope. And Jesus comes with this new wine, and it's not just a picture of joy, it's a picture of him coming to his bride and saying, you know, in the last days, in the third day church, one of the things that will be attacked above every, anything else is the hope of, of the believer. And Jesus is saying, I've come with new wine. I'm going to restore that which was stolen from you. I think that's amazing. He's going to buy back the times that the enemy challenged the sins of the earth challenged, your own frailty challenged the promises of God. Every time where the promises of God have been challenged in your life, Jesus is coming to redeem that time. I know about you, that excites me because there's been so many missed opportunities in my past where I've not perceived the goodness of God in my life. And, and, and they accumulate and accumulate until I get a disposition of hopelessness. And I'm speaking to people today that are exactly like that. And I'm saying to you today, there's a shift that is now coming where Jesus is saying to you, I want to redeem every moment in your life where there's been disappointment, pain, missed opportunities, where you should have seen the goodness of God and encountered great hope. I'm going to redeem every one of those moments. That's exciting. And as I look at his story, I see his goodness. It's an amazing story. This was a wedding. And the wonderful thing about this story is that Jesus reserved the best wine to last. Facebook is an amazing tool, isn't it? You get to read 
and get insight into people's strange and wonderful ideas and opinions. Sometimes it's, it elevates your opinion of those people. Other times you wish you never read it. And I'm staggered by the number of Christians that have such a bleak view of life. They have more faith in a created being who, because of the sin of one man, the disobedience of one man, who now has come and contaminated the world, they have more faith in that created being than they have in the Son of the living God, who through his act of obedience has set about restoring everything that's been lost. But as I read this story, Jesus is coming to a group of people that have lost hope. And he's saying, well, I'm going to restore everything that you've lost in the past, but not just that, I want you to know this thing, that I've reserved the best to last. The Bible says that we are the church of the firstborn in Hebrews. He says that, we are the double portion church. Jesus said, greater works will you do than me because I go to the Father. And the reason we'll do greater works than Jesus is because we are the church of the firstborn. We have a double inheritance that Jesus had on the earth. We are the greater works church. And I don't know about you, but I will not embrace a mindset that says everything is going to get worse. And we are powerless and helpless. The Muslims are going to take over, that we're going to have Sharia law, and that everything's going to get bleak. I will not embrace a mindset that says everything will get worse. I will not embrace a mindset in my own life, in this church, in my family, that says it will get worse and darker and darker. I don't know about you, but I, I refuse to believe that. And Jesus came to a group of people that were lost and trapped in a cycle of hopelessness. And he says to them, you need to drink of my wine. You need to get re-intoxicated with a new view of life. I want to heal your past. I want to give you hope for your future. Amen. 800 bottles of wine excessive amount of joy and hope. And the most hope-filled believers on the planet are us today. Hope-filled, intoxicated with hope. When I look at my past, when I look into my future, I see the goodness of God. And there are areas in your life where the enemy has highlighted whether it's the future or the past, hopelessness, doubt, and unbelief. But Jesus is coming today to give you new wine. Until now, I've feasted on an inferior wine. I've perceived all the places where God isn't. And the enemy is an expert at highlighting how God has let you down. But Jesus is coming to redeem those ideas and mindsets and rewrite your history with God. For he is a good God. And I just knew by the Spirit as people walked in today that the enemy's been highlighting areas in your life where God has let you down. Yeah. But it's not true. It's not true. You go, but it is true. I'm saying it's not true. It's not true. 
And Jesus is going to redeem the understanding of that moment. That's why Paul says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and God will give you light. God's going to give... See, you, there are areas in your life that are dead today. You look at it and you say, God wasn't there. It was hopeless. There's nothing good that's come out of that. It's dead and buried. And, and Paul says, awake from the sleep, those that are dead, and Christ will shine his light in you. He's going to give you an understanding of what really took place in that event. It's going to change your mindset. It's going to change the way that you look at it. It's going to give you hope. And I'm going to feast on the new wine, the new wine that says in every area, God is at work. He is redeeming those moments. You know why? Because Paul says, redeem the times for the days of evil. And we are in an age where the enemy is working overtime to highlight how God let you down. Is this making sense to anyone? And it's to those people that Jesus comes with the new wine. Why, do, why does Jesus give new wine to drunks? Because drunks need a new perspective of their life. They've lost hope for their, for their future and they see their past through regret and remorse. And that's what God's about to change. So there's a shift coming. God's bringing glistening hope to every area of our life. And the Spirit of the Lord is jealous over our hearts, over, over, our, our, over our mindset of what's taken place and what is to come. L listen to me careful, carefully. There is not one area of your life, not one moment, not one situation that God doesn't want to be the author and the writer of that story. You go, but, but this, is, this, is my, this is my account of the story. And God is saying, no, I want it. And actually right now, the Holy Spirit is coming to areas in your life, stories where, that, that have been wrongly interpreted. And he's saying, will you let me write the hope version of that story? So why don't we let him do that? Father, we ask, come and write your story over our past, present and future. Let it be glistening with hope. I ask in Jesus' name. I ask in Jesus' name. Heal, Lord, the past, the present, and the future. You are the great Redeemer. Where the enemy has come and stolen hope that belonged to us in those events, I ask that you would redeem them, Lord. You are able to do that, Lord. We may have lost yesterday, but you don't lose any yesterday because every day is right now to you, the past, the present, and the future. And we don't know how you do it, but you are able to go into our past and rewrite the story so it's so different, Lord. Change the outcome of that story. So I ask, Eternal Father, will you right now breathe by your Spirit into our past, our present, and our future. Bring your wine, your redemptive wine, and heal us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. For some of you, it means that the, re the way you retell stories of the past is going to change. Until now, you've told it a certain way, but now you're going to tell it a different way. He's changing the storyline of your past. 
And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Amen? Amen? That was good, hey? Now turn with me to John 4.46. This is the second shift. So the first shift that's taking place is a shift essentially about our hope. Until now, I've drunk on the inferior wine. I've seen all the times where God hasn't come through in my past, and I don't see him coming through in my future. Now I'm drinking on his redemptive wine that God is able to turn any situation around. He's able to redefine my history. Here's the second shift. So Jesus came again. This is John 4:46 to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman, he's a rich official, probably at Herod's temple. And his son was sick at Capernaum. When this rich man heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the nobleman said to Jesus, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour that his son got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said, Your son lives. So Jesus says, Your son lives 20 miles away. And that same moment, the son fever left him and he was healed so he himself believed in all his household this is again the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee and here's the second shift until now my life has been governed by what I can see but now the revelation of sonship lives in me I'm going to unpack that. Until now, my life was governed by what I could see. Jesus rebuked them because it seems to be saying, unless you have a sign, the wonder you won't believe. Unless I come down to your house and pray for your son, you won't believe. But this man got a revelation that through the word of the living God spoken, all things are possible. But now the revelation of sonship lives in me. This man asked Jesus to come with him to the house and heal the boy. But Jesus said, I just need to speak a word. So the official went on his way believing. And at the same moment that Jesus spoke his word, the servants saw the son healed and they began to walk to find the official to let him know of the miracle that had, been, that had taken place. I want you to see something here. Notice something in verse 50 and verse 51, that both Jesus and the servant echo the same word. Jesus says in verse 50, Go your way, your son now lives. 
or your son lives. Do you notice what the first thing that the servants say to the official? The same words, your son lives. Jesus says, go your way, your son lives. The servants say to the official, your son lives. The servants echo the words of the son. The unnamed servant. In all of the Bible, when you see a servant without a name, it's always a picture of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that the unnamed servant comes from the very place and the exact time of the miracle and lets you know it's happened before you even arrive on the scene. Did you get that? This unnamed servant who is a picture of Holy Spirit comes from the very place and the exact time of the miracle and lets you know it has happened before you can see it or even arrive at the scene. Holy Spirit is coming from the scene of your next breakthrough with great news. Your future is alive and well. The Father didn't even need to get to the scene to know that it had been done. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you tell the church that as the sons of God speak, and that's sons and daughters, Holy Spirit will work the word that is spoken. Jesus spoke, the servants were at the house with the son. The moment Jesus spoke, the servants went to work, which is a picture of the Spirit, and the boy was healed. We are in a season where God is going to show the sons and daughters the power of the spoken word, that as we speak, Holy Spirit will work. And we will know that he has worked even though we have not been there or seen what has taken place. We will know that it's shifted. It's called a commanding authority coming to the body of Christ. We will speak and know it's done without seeing it. And this is what happened with Jesus. He spoke and it was done. Are you hearing me today? It's a fascinating story that the father didn't need to be there to know it had been done. He just relied on the voice of the servant. And you will speak to circumstances in your life and you won't be there. You may not see it shift in the natural immediately, but you will know because the Holy Spirit has come from the scene of the change in the future and it's come to you in your present and says to you, it is done. And he will echo the words that you speak. Jesus said, your son lives. The Holy Spirit said, your son lives. You will speak a word and the Holy Spirit will carry it out. Your word and his word will be one and the same. There will be an echo, a yes and amen. We are in a season where we are hearing what God is saying in heaven. And as we speak the word, the Holy Spirit is taking that word and making it a reality. Karen sang this morning about the power of the words that come out of your mouth. And this is what Jesus was teaching. He says, you don't need a sign and a wonder. You don't need me to physically come there and, and, and do it. You just need to understand that when sons speak the word, Holy Spirit begins to do our work. And some of you have, have, have not understood that there is great power when you begin to speak. Holy Spirit is taking your exact words and making that a reality. Yeah. 
Your sons live, the son Jesus spoke, the son of the living God. And the Holy Spirit began to work. I love this story because it, if you really look clearly at the story, the man stayed overnight before he even went home. And there will be great faith in your life that you will speak and be at rest. I don't know about you, but if my son was about to die, and I'd been to see Jesus and he said, go your way, your son lives, I'd be on my way home pretty quickly. But the man must have been at such rest. He says, you know what? I'm going to sleep the night here. I'm going to rest on that promise. And I'll go in the morning. And God's bringing a rest to the body of Christ where we will speak. There won't be an agitation, us trying to make things happen. But there's coming an authority where we will command and it shall be done. So begin to speak. Begin to speak over your children. Begin to speak over your family. Begin to speak over your workplace. Begin to speak over the church, over the city. And understand the very words that you speak are being echoed now by the Holy Spirit. The son said, Jesus said, your son lives. And do you know what's happening right now in the body of Christ? Sonship is coming back to life. Did you hear that? This is something that's really exciting me at the moment. Sonship is coming back to life. Commanding sons, loved sons. So hear my heart again, sons and daughters. I want to read something to you before I close from the Passion Translation. A couple of verses. John 15, 26. And I will send you the divine encourager, which is the Holy Spirit, from the very presence of the Father. He will come to you, the Spirit of truth or the Spirit of reality, emanating from the Father. And he will speak to you about me. Holy Spirit right now, what is he doing in the church? He is speaking to children, the children of the living God, about the son and sonship. That's what he's doing right now. He's quickening our hearts. He's telling us how much the father loves a son, what it means to be a son, the value of a son, the authority of the son. Holy Spirit has one agenda right now, is to raise up sons. Are you hearing this? He will speak to you about me. And he will tell you everything. So he will tell everyone the truth about me. Do you hear that? Holy Spirit is so passionate about telling you and I, not just about Jesus, and he does that, the Son, but he's saying, you know what? As the Father loves the Son, so he loves you. As the Father has invested his authority in the Son, so he has in you. You are a Son of God. And if only we would awaken to that, the love that the Father has for the sons of God, for the daughters of God. Holy Spirit is saying, Father desperately wants you to know today to stop living like an orphan, living like someone who's not attracting the favor of God and position yourself as a son. Verse 7 of uh, chapter 16 says, and it's to the truth. This is the truth. It's to your advantage that I, Jesus, go away. For I don't go away. The encourager will not be released to you. And after I depart, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will teach you about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's teaching right now the church that all about Son, that we need a Savior. If you don't know Jesus today, he's teaching you about the Son of God, about the Son who came to save you from your sin. He's teaching you about righteousness, which means he's teaching you about the love that Father has for his sons, that you are clean and pure, and his affection that he has for the son he has for you, the light that he sees his son in, he sees you. We keep seeing our frailties. How many times we don't pray, we beat ourselves up, how we've disappointed God, but God's saying, you what? The way I see Jesus, I see you. I am eternally pleased with you. You can't do anything more to please me because when I look at you, I see the son you are in Christ and I see the Son of the living God and I will always be pleased with you. You've never let me down. You cannot let me down because the one in you will never let me down. There's no disobedience in him. He's the eternal obedient son. So the Holy Spirit teaches us that we need Jesus and then he teaches us that Father sees us in Jesus and then he teaches us about judgment that the ruler of this world is judged. And what's it mean? He's saying, I'm going to teach you not just that you need to be in the Son, and now the Father sees you as the Son. I'm going to teach you how to command as a Son and bring judgment on the enemy. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. The sons are coming alive. Does that excite anybody today? Verse 13, I'm almost finished, so chapter 16. And when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. And he's doing that right now. Holy Spirit is unveiling to you the truth of sonship. I don't know if you think you've got a handle on sonship. I feel like I'm only scraping the surface. I feel like, Lord, I'm in 101. Show me what it means to be a son. That should be the cry of our heart. See, until now, I've lived by sight. I've lived like an orphan. I've, I've, been, I've been reacting to everything around me, but now I'm beginning to live like a son. I begin to understand that I'm not, I'm not to be subject to everything around me. I'm a commander. I'm, a, I'm one that, as I speak, the Holy Spirit begins to work. I'm not of this world. Thank you, Karen. He will, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak his own message. This is the Holy Spirit. But only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal and speak to you what is to come. He will glorify me on the earth. For he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Holy Spirit's going to receive from Jesus what is his and reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to Jesus... Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to you. He's going to say, you know what, Jesus won? That was all about you. Everything that belongs, everything the Father's given the Son, the Holy Spirit's saying, you know what, that authority, that ability, that wisdom, the insight, the foresight, that is all yours right now. He's coming to raise the sons. He's coming, firstly, the first shift is to bring hope to our life to rewrite our story, past, present, future. The second shift is he's coming to raise sons. So why don't you put your hand on your heart 
Father, I pray now that you would bring revelation and a shift in people's hearts to see the power of sonship. That as we speak a word, Holy Spirit is there in the very moment, at the very occasion, the very place, and is working the word that we speak. I thank you that you've called us to be commanding sons, that you are raising up the son that is sick. And I prophesy over the church right now that the revelation of sonship that has been sick, that has laid down, that hasn't come into its fullness, I say to you, arise, you live now. I say the son lives. Not only does Jesus live, but the sons of God live. And all of creation is longing for the revelation, for the revealing of the sons of God. And I pray in this church, teach your people, Father, how to live in divine sonship. Father, I thank you for authority that we have, that as we speak the word that comes from the heart of the Father, Holy Spirit, you said that you will action that word. As we speak, there will be a yes and an amen. Father, I thank you that as sons we have divine connection with your heart. We only do the things that we see you do. We only say the things that you say. And as we fellowship with you, Father, you will give us the words to say. It won't be our words, but they will be anointed from the throne of God. And as we speak your word on earth, Holy Spirit, you promise that you would echo that word and you would bring it into reality. So I pray now, Father, give your children insight into your thoughts, your ways, your purpose, your plan. And I pray, Lord, as your sons, as your delegated sons on earth, as we speak, Lord God, we pray that there would be a moving of the Spirit, even as the prophet prophesied and there was a shaking of the bones. The wind began to blow through the valley and there was a shaking and a coming alive of that which was dead. I ask, Father, raise up men and women who would prophesy, who would speak the heart of the Father. And as we prophesy and speak, there would be a movement of the Spirit who would echo and bring into being the very words that come out of our mouth. Father, we ask right now that there would be a, a fresh connection between our heart and yours, that we would perceive your ways and understand what you are doing. You said, call unto me and I would answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So I ask, Father, cause us to come into alignment with your purpose and your will and then just speak it as sons of God on the earth. And I pray that as we do that, Holy Ghost, that you would begin to move in all the corners of the globe. Lord, that we would begin to see you at work. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus. I ask in the name of Jesus. Raise up sons, Lord, in the house. Lord, raise up the revelation of sonship. And I say to you that you are not powerless. I say to you that you are not defeated. I say to you that you are not at the whim of the winds that come from the left and the right, but you are children of the Most High God. And I will put my word in your mouth like a sharp two-edged sword. It will be like a, a hammer that would break the rock. And I thank you, Father, right now that you are doing that by your Spirit. Anoint these lips, Lord. Anoint these lips. Thank you, Father. He's shifting and shaping. 
And I see him raising up sons, sons who would speak, who would speak. And there would be such faith in the power of their words that they won't even have to be at the circumstance and they'll know that they know that it's been done. God's going to show you the power of the spoken word breathed by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So there are shifts coming to the body of Christ. He's healing hopelessness. He's raising out powerful sons that partner with Holy Spirit in shaping the world. And we thank you for these shifts now, Lord God. And until now, we may have been plagued by hopelessness. Till now, we may have been plagued by powerlessness. But now, we're full of hope. But now, we carry the word of the Son. And we say that, Lord, we perceive the new thing that you're doing. And I just release hope. A spiritual force into every heart right now. Past, present, future. I breathe it now and it's here. I feel it. I release hope into all of your life. Now may the God of all hope, the God of all hope, He's bringing a new perspective to all of your life and I release that over your world. And I speak into your mindset and I say that you are a son that is powerful. And the enemy has whispered in your ears that your words aren't powerful. And at times you've spoken out of your own flesh, but God's going to show you the words to speak. He says, I will put my words in your mouth. And as you wait on Father... He shall put his word in your mouth and you will know that it is the word of the Lord. And as you speak, as you wait on the Lord and get his word, it will be like a sharp two-edged sword. And so often the church has stepped out on its own word, but God's saying, those that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. And you will come out of that closet armed with a word. And as you speak the word, the Holy Spirit will begin to do a work. And I feel the Holy Spirit saying that this is a season not just to speak, but this is a season first to retreat into a place of worship and intimacy. And it's in that place of quietness that Father will drop into your spirit and now word of the Lord. And it will be alive. You will feel it alive within you. And as you speak that word, Holy Spirit will echo a yes and an amen, and it shall be done. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name.